Hey, it's Clay. Welcome to another episode of the Money with Clay podcast. And by the title, I'm sure you saw, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about taxes here. And taxes, not necessarily what I believe tax rate should be or how I believe taxes should work. Not that route. I just want to talk about kind of my point of view in terms of why it's basically just one big scam. Why it's one big massive amount of stupidity, I suppose is another way you could look at it. And yeah, the whole premise, the whole idea of, you know, everybody should pay their fair share, that is just a smoke screen in and of itself. Because let's think about what that statement implies. Fair share. That implies that there is a fair share. Now, I'm not going to get into, well, is there a fair share? I'm not getting into that. I'm not going to get into what exactly, how much is a fair share. I'm not getting into that. But let's just look at that slogan and think about what it's actually trying to do. And within the political sphere, you got to give credit where credit's due. Marketing geniuses. Marketing geniuses. Because let's think about it. If there is a fair share, then that implies when people say, well, everybody's got to pay their fair share. Well, that implies that some people don't pay their fair share. And if somebody is not paying their fair share, again, I'm, I'm not even talking about whether or not you agree with what the fair share is, who's not paying or anything like that, because it, all those can be argued from all different angles. But let's just look at, like I said, the premise of the marketing, which is when you say people need to pay their fair share, that implies, well, some people aren't. And when some people aren't paying something that is supposedly fair, however you want to define fair, well, that's going to create anger. That's going to create a distraction. A distraction from what? A distraction from the fact that the people we pay taxes to, the government, is just, like I said, a pile of stupidity. Because when you actually break down and look at how it works, it being money management, it being the efficiency of that money management, it's absolutely atrocious. And this isn't necessarily anything new. I think it's kind of a, a, a big, well-known kind of elephant in the room, if you will, that the government's not exactly the most efficient um, you know, thing that's out there, the most efficient institution. But it, you know, when I, because I had some people kind of not necessarily asking, Clay, let's talk about tax policy. No, but I, you know, some people kind of wondering, well, you know, well, how do you kind of view all this? And for me, I, I, I just don't want to pay taxes. And I, I want to explain why. Because I get it on the surface, that makes me sound, well, you're not an American then, or you, you're just greedy, or you don't want to do your fair share. I have no problem putting my money where I know it's going to be in good hands. I don't say this uh, to pat myself on the back, and I, I'm going to keep this very brief, but I do donate uh, to charities. I do donate to other organizations, my church, for example. And I give money to these because I do my research and I know that the money is actually being used in as an efficient manner as possible. Now, some charities, some quote unquote foundations, holy smokes, do a little bit of research and you'll find out that, wow, how much money actually makes it to whatever they're proclaiming and it's not very much. So that's why you have to do your research and that's why I've, I've done my research here as I'm gonna gripe and complain about why I don't wanna give taxes, pay taxes to this inefficient institution known as the government. But so for me, it's not a matter of I want to hoard every single dollar I make. It's just me being practical. It's me being 
um, efficient and you know what, if I've earned this money, I don't have a problem giving it up. And that would include taxes. But when you look at how tax dollars are used and squandered, it's not a very good situation at all. And on top of all this, I believe maybe, maybe I'm an idiot, uh, maybe I'm just out of touch with reality, but I think that if the more money I have in my pocket, the best for everybody. Meaning, when I have money and I have full control of it, then, well, I can donate to charities. I can you know, donate to whatever I see fit. I can't get this, are you ready? The more money I have, the more money I can save. And you know what happens if, more, if, if people got more money and then saved it? Guess who wouldn't need to be so worried about taking care of people later on in life? The government. Now, if people don't wanna save, maybe this makes me cruel, but sorry, you've had more money all these years because the government, let's just say, totally essentially pulls out and doesn't tax anything. So if you choose to squander that money, well, you know, that, that, that's not my problem. But again, that's kind of a, like I said, that's, that's really bad of me to say. Clay, that's not your problem. Aren't you gonna at least offer up a solution? Yeah, absolutely. My solution would be this, tax me some money. Tax me, and as long as some of the tax goes to, I don't know, I guess I haven't thought this part through, fourth grade, fifth grade, definitely sixth grade. I think you're like age 12 in sixth grade. But definitely in sixth grade, implement money management, implement personal finance, implement wealth building strategies. And that's nothing fancy. Talk to kids about the stock market. Talk to kids about budgets. Talk to kids about payback periods. Talk to kids about how to actually properly choose how to you know, go to college. Make it mandatory. Put it in all the schools. I get it. I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit because sometimes I, I you know, gripe and complain about regulations, but this is a regulation I would be fully, fully behind. The power of just understanding how to manage money, because when you know how to manage money, when you know how to structure an actual budget, guess what that allows you to do? Save money, and if you drill into kids' heads when their minds are very impressionable, the importance of not spending every single dollar you get, and to save some because someday you're gonna be old and you're not gonna to wanna to work anymore, but if you've saved money, you're gonna have a bunch of money there, then guess what? Again, the government doesn't need to be taxing everybody and taking money because they need to take care of people that just, you know, I, I, you can't sit here, I can't make a blank, blank, blanket statement and say everybody was greedy and they just squandered the way their money by choice. No, but I mean, over a lifetime, if people actually knew how to properly manage your money, then, that would alleviate so many of these government programs that the government is taking money from us for and then inefficiently implementing. Once again, well Clay, I could see the government inefficiently implementing your money management program. Maybe so, but at least it's trying to, to solve a problem that within the grand scheme of things would solve so many other problems with student loan debt, with just, well I don't have enough money in my retirement. Well, have you been saving? Well, I started a little late because I didn't realize the importance of saving. But it, I mean, if you're drilling it into 12, like some kid that's you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, then they're gonna get, you know, I, I'll put it this way. We should be indoctrinating kids in the importance of money management. We should be indoctrinating kids in the importance of not spending every, you know, every dollar you get. 
Kids, if you get a paycheck for $100, that doesn't mean you go and spend $100. That means you pay your bills and then you set some money aside in what we would call a savings account, kids, and then you can go and have some fun with the remainder of the money. I'm, like I said, I don't know, maybe, does that make me evil if I believe we should indoctrinate kids with some common sense when it comes to money? But that would be my solution to all of this. But I'm just somebody out on the podcast waves that has a website, so. But let's just, because right now I haven't proven anything. All I've done is griped and complained. I've talked about the government institution being, you know, massively a joke. You know, the whole fair share thing, it's, that's a total hoax. That is a smokescreen. That is brilliant marketing to turn everybody's attention away um, from the facts that exist out there. The facts being uh, the government is not good at managing money at all. And I realize, I, I think a lot of people probably heard it, but if you actually do some research into it, it's really scary. It's, it, it's quite pathetic. And what spurred this on was an article I saw from Business Insider, and it came out on November 3rd of uh, 2018. And the title of this uh, article, the U.S. Air Force still can't explain why it spent $1,280 on a coffee cup. Senator Chuck Grassley finally received a response to questions he asked the Air Force on why it was spending more than a thousand bucks on an in-flight coffee cup. And he's not at all that satisfied with the explanation. While I appreciate that the Air Force is working to find innovations that would help us save taxpayer dollars, it remains unclear why it cannot find a cheaper alternative to a $1,280 cup. Government officials have the responsibility to use taxpayer dollars efficiently. Oh, that's a good soundbite. I would agree. Too often, that's not the case. Absolutely, and that's, uh, that's, that's exactly why I don't wanna give my money to you. I intend to pursue this, to pursue this issue further. Hopefully that occurs. Earlier this month, Grassley sent a letter to Air Force Secretary Heather Wilson in which he inquired about what the Air Force calls hot cups, quote unquote. Metal cups similar in size to a French press that he said cost the service $56,000 over the past three years. And yeah, that's, that's why I don't wanna give you my money. I'm all for the military, don't get me wrong. I'm all for the military, but I'm all for efficiency too. And we, we, we could buy a lot more bullets. We could buy more body armor. We could buy uh, more just overall protective gear for our troops if we weren't spending $1,280 on coffee cups. So this is not me griping about the military. I am, I am about as full bore into the military as possible. Um, it's about efficiency. Ironically, the exorbitant price tag caught Grassley's eye soon after the Air Force published a public affairs story lauding a 3D printing innovation one of its squadrons made to develop a cheaper solution to the problem of the cup's handles breaking off. In the past, if an airman dropped a cup and the handle broke, it cost more than $1,200 to replace it. With 3D printing, a new candle could be made for about 50 cents. But why, why did people have to innovate a 3D printing solution to this? Why can't you just go out? And I don't know, maybe I'm speaking from ignorance here, but why, why couldn't... The government just say, let's go to the local grocery store. Let's go to like local Walmart or Sam's Club or Costco. And let's just buy, buy some coffee cups in bulk. Why did they need to, why was the solution to the problem um, coming up with some 3D printing innovation? That just doesn't seem very efficient. And I get it. 
another part out there is, well, you know, some people aren't good with their money and, and that is true. So the government, you know, they're stepping in because they're gonna help people save. They're gonna help, you know, you know, they're gonna take care of people when they get older. Social security, pensions, all these sorts of things, which again, is a load of garbage. I'm not gonna sit here and go through the history of social security. I'm not gonna go through the history of all this stuff. But if you look at how it actually works, social security in particular, personally me, let's see, I'm 34. Um, I'll be 35 soon. I am not planning on getting ever a nickel. I'm not planning at all to get a nickel of social security. I have realized that, you know what? I'm gonna have to do this on my own because when you actually research, and, and maybe I could do a whole separate podcast on all that, but when you research how this works, it is essentially one big Ponzi scheme. And basically, it's broke, it's going broke, you know, a little gray area there on, you know, what you wanna deem broke or not broke. But, you know, to, to the point of, well, Clay, you know, tax dollars, they go to these programs and these programs help people and they're gonna help people in their later years so that they have money coming in. And I get it, that, that sounds good. And honestly, I am all for that. I am all for all of that if, if, these programs were actually being handled in an efficient manner. And this article here, uh, let's see, from October 24th, so yeah, still totally relevant. Politicians deceitful promise that nobody has been paying attention to. And that starts off, will you be able to retire? Maybe not. Will, you, will your state pay what its politicians promised? Almost certainly not. Politicians in Connecticut, New Jersey, and Illinois are especially irresponsible when it comes to not funding pension plans. But most every municipality has promised more than it will have. And again, this is nothing like, I'm not trying to come across like, I am some great investigative reporter and I've dug in deep and I've flipped over all kinds of rocks and I've discussed, no, this is stuff that's freely available to anybody out there that wants to pull out their magnifying glass as Google. Of course, it is the internet, so you, you don't just read the first thing. You know, Make sure you, you, you check multiple sources and all that good stuff. Uh, but yeah, none of this is exactly um, you know, revolutionary discoveries on my part. So this article goes on. His colleague, Steve Malenga, complains that the media rarely reports on the coming crisis, to which I would agree. To a certain extent, I have sympathy with the media because the media is looking for what happens next. This is not something that's going to happen next week. And I would also agree with that point, is the media at the core is a for-profit business. Media op operations are, you know, they're run by for-profit companies. And the way that media companies make money is they get viewership. The way you get viewership is you talk about what's happening right now or what could be happening like in the near, near future. And because none of this is necessarily gonna happen in the near, near future, why would anybody talk about it? That's not gonna deliver any sort of headlines. So I, I get it, I get it. For-profit businesses known as media, why would they talk about something like this? But I guess here I am. So, but anyways, let's keep going on. Neither party, so again, this is not Republican, this is not Democrat, this is just the government institution. So to think about it, people have been giving money to this institution. And this is why I don't wanna give my money to this institution. Neither party wants to make the tough choices involved. Both Democrats and Republicans have incentives to short the pension fund, says DeSalvo. For Democrats, if we can not put as much in, we can free up more money for greater public spending on public programs that we think are good. If we're Republicans, 
we probably want to cut taxes. 10 years from now, they're going to have a problem. But 10 years from now, somebody else is in office. And that always is, you know, the, the, the typical, you know, just kick the can down the road. Kick the can down the road, let somebody else deal with it, and I'm not going to worry about it. Again, I, I understand that logic. I suppose that makes sense. Because if you do try to tackle it, right? I mean, could you imagine, could you imagine me running for political office saying, we need to indoctrinate our kids? Oh my, oh goodness. They would, the, the, media, or the marketing geniuses in the political sphere, boy, oh boy, would they twist that. Of course, they wouldn't tell anybody what we would want to indoctrinate our, our kids with. But um, yeah, so I, I get it. I understand why nobody wants to tackle this stuff because they want to keep their political power. They want to stay, they want people to vote for them. Uh, and so I, I, I get that. Some pension plans are promises that should have never been made, but few politicians will say that. At most, they talk about making small changes to keep our promises. Small changes won't be enough. Detroit and several California cities already ran out of money and declared bankruptcy. And as somebody that's in West Michigan, so the other side of the state compared to Detroit, I re Detroit has been in the, the headlines plenty. And yeah, Detroit literally went bankrupt. And Detroit is a government institution because Detroit was terrible at money management. They had no efficiency. And uh, yeah, so think about it. All sorts of tax, all the tax dollars that they had collected and collected and collected, and they still ended up going bankrupt because it's poor money management. It's inefficiency. If I knew that uh, the, any sort of government institution, like I said, was efficient, was operated as a, pretty much as a publicly traded company, as a for-profit company where things do matter, costs do matter, profit margins do matter, then I would gladly, think about it, why do we invest in the stock market? We invest in the stock market, you invest in the companies because you pick certain companies that you think they are actually very good at managing money. They are very efficient at their operations, which boils down to, well, you know, are they actually gonna create profit or how is their financial perspective looking at? That's why we willingly take our money and put it into publicly traded companies. If there is a stock, uh, you know, GOV, government, I would never put my money in that at all. That would be one of the worst investments ever. And I, I, and I'm not trying to proclaim like I'm some sort of investing genius. I think probably the majority of people would say, yep, I wouldn't buy that stock either. Ticker GOV, uh, I would not buy that stock because that would be a terrible investment because that company, the government is terrible at managing their money. But you go about uh, through this article some more and um, you know, then there's a statement right here about what's a, what about the 5 trillion in unfunded liabilities? That's a figure that's used by some anti-pension zealots, replied Kreisberg. It's fake news. But it's the number, actually now six trillion, you get if you are using accounting standards that the federal government demands from private pension plans. Unions fight to keep every penny that politicians promise, but Detroit's bankruptcy changed the rules on that. The federal bankruptcy judge created a precedent that said pensions could actually be cut. That was a shock to the unions. It called into question these strong legal protections that public pensions have so long enjoyed. They can't just sit back and say, well, we're going to get paid no matter what. And I'm not getting into the, the politics of that, but let's just look at the root cause of all this. The root cause of all of this is just the inefficiencies that plague. 
Whether you want to attribute the inefficiencies to political games, whether you want to attribute it to just incompetence, and whether I don't care what your reasoning, why the inefficiencies are there. Hey, I'll have a discussion. I have my opinions. You can have your opinions. But I think we can all agree that things are inefficient. So again, if we all agree that things are inefficient, why would you want to give your money to something that's so inefficient? It's not wise. Why would you give an alcoholic another drink? It just doesn't make any sense. So this whole idea, again, of, well, Clay, the government, this institution, they're going to be helping people out. No, here are people that are in a whole lot of hurt right now from pensions and all of that because, well, that money that they had been, you know, that they've had taken away from them is who knows where it went, squandered away and, uh, you know, all over the place. And then we get to this and I want to, you know, sometimes I I, I don't know how it happened, but uh, from CNBC, one billionaire's solution to the rising national debt, government inefficiency, raise my taxes. Here we go. As the U.S. national debt continues to increase, billionaire Douglas Durst, whose father Seymour put up the national debt clock in Times Square in 1989, believes the solution is for the government to collect more money. And I quote, I think America has more of a revenue problem than a spending problem. Really? So the the $1,200 coffee cups is not a spending problem. Are you sure? He suggested remedy, ask for more from the rich. I support higher taxes on people like me, he says. Here's my major problem with that. Ask for more from the rich. Well, Douglas Durst, I'm asking you, will you, how about you just contribute? Write a check. Nobody is, the IRS is not going to send back your check. Say donation, national debt, and submit it. Who's holding you back, Douglas Durst? You want to ask for more from the rich? Okay, I'm asking you for more. Douglas, will you please make a donation? You think that's the solution? Then, hey, a solution to that problem would be put some money where your mouth is. But, you know, of course, what is Douglas doing? He's just making Blaken statements. Everybody, all the rich, all the, and I don't know what his definition of rich is. um, But the point here is I, I love when people volunteer. Yeah, yeah, take more of our money. Wait, who's our? You got a mouse in your pocket? I'm, no, what? If you want to do it, then by all means, do it. I would actually gladly give money to the government. If, like I said, they were efficient, that I would have no problem. Just like I have zero problem giving to charities and stuff like that because when you do your research and you find out where those charities are that run a tight ship, then hey, that's good. It's actually going to a good cause. And if I thought the government you know, was actually some sort of good cause in the overall sense, I would gladly give money. Now, I w- still, I, I would always, I mean, I get taxes, I understand it. You gotta have protection, you gotta have roads, you have to have laws. If something catches on fire, you wanna have somebody to show, out to show up to push, put out that fire. If somebody's trying to steal your purse, you wanna have a police officer show up to stop that. But when you look at numbers, those things are such tiny slivers of the budget. Yeah, defense spending can be quite a bit, but at the end of the day, I mean, what do you have if you don't have defense? There's, you know, you could have problems. But so I'm not anti-tax for some of those reasons, but I am very much anti-tax with the amount that everybody seems to always want to take from everybody. And that's any regard, no matter how much you actually make. I mean, it's ridiculous when you see 
But again, remember, what do they do? Well, some people don't pay their fair share. Anger, anger, anger. Okay, good. Nobody's paying attention to the fact that we spend 1200 bucks on coffee cups. Excellent. Good job, marketing team. Good job, smoke and mirror team. So here we have this person. But again, the quote, and I'll be honest, I think I meant to lead off this whole podcast with this so I could baseline everything from that quote about a billionaire saying, I think America has more of a revenue problem than a spending problem. Well, we have some more spending things. We already talked about the coffee cup. Um, and like I said, I encourage all of you to, to do your research on if you care. But a, a Google search that I did was government, uh, government waste, forms of that. And all sorts of stuff uh, you know, have come up. And uh, you know, I, I try to find, I'm like, okay, well, that looks like it's might maybe a right-leaning public. Okay, that looks like it's kind of a left-leaning. But I, I found one where they list uh, 50 different you know, examples of government waste government inefficiency, and everything had their sites sorted. And uh, here is one that I found. Now, the article is a little bit old. This is from 2007. But, I mean, let's all be real. It's not like any of this stuff has necessarily disappeared. Maybe this exact problem has been taken care of, but I don't know. Probably for every problem that sprouts up, there's, or for every problem that's solved, a couple more sprout out. But from the Wall Street Journal, federal workers accused of, abu- of abusing business class Aversion to coach, meaning I don't want to sit and coach. I need that business class. I need that first class. Aversion to coach cost $146 million in a 12-month period. $146 million. I mean, think about that. Just because people don't want to sit and coach? Now, I, I get it. I understand. Do I expect the president to fly and coach? No. Do I expect high-ranking senators, you know, high, you know, no. But at, at some point, it, it always boils down to the, you're going to put your money where your mouth is? Government savings, government waste, blah, blah, blah. But behind the scenes, coach, I'm not sitting in coach. My secretary's not sitting in coach. My this, my that, my other, that, we're not sitting in coach. We want that upgrade. But out in the public, their government wastes so much money. I'm going to fix the, the, the problem. And it's absolutely a joke. So as this article goes, and again, from the Wall Street Journal, most business class and first class travel by federal bureaucrats is improper and unwarranted, costing taxpayers an extra $146 million in a recent 12-month period, congressional investigators said. The most common abuse by federal employees is the overuse of business class fares, which receive less scrutiny than first class tickets, but cost several times more than the coach prices. Clever politicians, clever. Well, we won't quite go first class, but even though business class travel accounts for 96% of all premium class travel at federal agencies, many departments don't monitor it. Hey, that's some efficiency right there. Let's just not monitor an area of spending. Yep, the, the government is definitely efficient. Could you imagine that in your personal budget? I mean, a lot of people do this, sadly. Um, where you're just like, yeah, I'm not going to pay attention to that area of the budget. I'm not spending. Yep. Just spend. I I won't pay attention to it. You know, that's, and people wonder why there's so many debt problems around here. Again, indoctrinate the kids. You need to, you need to pay attention to like all areas of your budget. But anyways, let's keep going on. And this is all being done, uh, according to the government accountability office, uh, and was a study that was released in the 12 months that ended June 30th. Remember back in, you know, 2007, the GAO, again, Government Accountability Office, found at least, oh, I missed that word the first time I read through it, at least 
146 million or 67% of the money federal agencies spent on premium class travel was not properly authorized or justified. Cool, that's, that, that, that's good efficiency right there. I'm not gonna keep going through this, but you get the idea. The moral of the story here is, you know, they, they just, I, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna fly. Again, I, I realize it, it can be apples and oranges. I, I'm not saying the president needs to be back um, in, in coach, although I, I, I think I would kind of argue um, from a symbolic, from a marketing standpoint, that if I was the president of the United States, I would fly coach. Now, of course, uh, everybody would need to be severely screened and stuff like that, but I don't know. I don't know. I think that would be a good sign of what I would be trying to do is, you know, let's actually get our spending under control. Um, but like I said, um, that that's that's not gonna happen. But, uh, you know, just little things like that. How about this? This is awesome. And again, this comes from the same article. This is from, uh, again, there is an article uh, that has 50 listed. There is 50 separate occasions. Um, and like I said, I'm kind of like, all right, well, what's his sources here? But they actually sourced everything, and then you could click and go to the exact article on the site where it was posted. So, I mean, it was well sourced out. And, um, you know, like I said, any sort of Google search, and you'll find all sorts of these. But this one, SEC, which is the Security and Exchange Commission, spends millions to reorganize desks. Again, 2009, but again, government inefficiency, nothing new. While Wall Street executives were sinking the economy and Bernie Madoff was ripping off investors, the Security and Exchange Commission, SEC, was engaged in a multi-million dollar effort to, literally in the article they have, dot, 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 rearrange their desk chairs at their Washington, D.C. headquarters. This is a total waste of time that we should be spending conducting investigations, said Steve Ellis, Vice President of Taxpayers for Common Sense, who calls the SEC's $3.9 million desk reorganization preposterous. I think we could all agree to that. Um, I mean, both sides of the aisle, I think we can all agree that, uh, you know, stock fraud, stock manipulation, people, you know, Bernie Madoff, those people, yeah, probably not probably not good for the markets. So, so it's good that we have somebody that can investigate them. But to this person's point, yeah, they're not gonna be able to investigate them when they're, you know, spending all this time and money reorganizing. According to a new report from David Kotz, the inspector general for the SEC employees were subjected to a massive reorganization in 2007 and 2008 that they now say was, guess what? That what are they now saying about this? It was unnecessary and did not improve organization or communication. Now, I, I will say this. Sometimes you just gotta try. Sometimes you just have to do something. And if it doesn't work, yeah, you know what? At least you tried, at least you made an effort. But really, $3.9 million? Couldn't you have done this for, I don't know, $10,000, let's, could you, this even sounds bad, but couldn't you have done all this for like $100,000? I mean, $100,000, which is still insane, and then you walk away with, yeah, it, it didn't quite work out. Okay, you know, at least you tried, but $3.9 million. One SEC employee quoted in the report said, taxpayers should be outraged, and we should be wholly mortified to be wasting such an incredible amount of money and time on this, and it just goes on to, pretty much just say, what What are we doing? What kind of, now I don't think inefficiency ever showed up in the article, but that's pretty much the underlying theme is, what are we doing with all these inefficiencies? I mean, even if money was unlimited, time is not unlimited. So even from that point of view and that argument, as some of these people said, yeah, 
our, our time is also being wasted because our time is being spent doing all this nonsense when we could be out there actually doing what we're supposed to do and be investigating and, and all that sort of stuff. So I mean, but again, time or money is not unlimited. So it's both a double whammy of a waste of time and money. And this is uh, the people that says, you gotta pay your fair share. You gotta pay, give us your money. We're really good at handling it. We're good. We'll, we'll take care of you. And it's just uh, ridiculous. And then the final thing here, because uh, I wanted to find something a little bit uh, nearer term, but this comes from the Washington Times um, and it's from uh, uh, November 27th of uh, 2017, so like a year ago. Uh, but uh, Senator James Langford released his annual Federal Government Waste and Solutions Report on Monday, detailing the arguably ridiculous things the government spent money on. Our $20 trillion national debt will continue to increase until we implement spending cuts, government reforms, and create a healthy economy. But wait a second, I thought that billionaire said it wasn't a spending problem. Uh, again, billionaire, $3.9 million to rearrange desks, 143 or 47, whatever that was, million dollars because a portion of the budget, as the article said, just nobody paid attention to, so people took advantage of it. Really, it's a revenue problem, Mr. Billionaire. I don't know, that, that seems kind of like a lack of management problem. Uh, to go on with this article here, the Federal Fumbles Report provides common sense examples of ways to limit our spending and fix government, in hey, there we go, government inefficiency. Nice. There is over $473 billion in wasteful spending listed in the report. And like I said, this was like a, a year ago. The items on this year's federal fumbles list include $2.3 million researching forms of exercise that best lead to weight loss in seniors. Oh, goodness. No, I'm not a, a, like a certified dietitian. I'm not a certified personal trainer, but a, a great way to get weight loss. And, and guess what? This, is, this will be free. No, no $2.3 million, not even a dollar, not even a penny. If you wanna get weight loss, just eat healthy fruits, vegetables, lean meats. I get it, these are us seniors. Take a walk around the block. Don't, don't, don't worry about weightlifting. You don't have to go s swim. Although, you know, you see all those old ladies doing like aerobic uh, cardio, you know, in the pools. So maybe, I don't know, get out there, do some walk around in the pool, but a little bit of exercise, some healthy food. And you know what? I, 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 I will bet, I would bet a lot of money that they will lose weight. And guess what? That was... Dare I say a little bit of common sense, eat healthy food, exercise a little bit. And when I say exercise, like I said, walk around. That's it, walk around. So that's, that's, that was good, good efficiency there, government. And you need to spend $2.3 million on that. Uh, $20,000 for adult summer art camp focused on climate change. $20,000 for adult, I don't know. I I'm curious, how many pieces of body armor could you buy for troops with $20,000? I, I don't know, maybe that's not enough. I don't know. I'm just kind of talking out loud. If you know that, I don't know, get a hold of me, let me know. Because even if uh, body armor, let's just say body armor is $5,000, which seems way too much, that is four soldiers that you could be protecting that much better, but yet you chose to spend that money on adult summer camp art focused on climate change. Hmm, okay. And 2.6 million spent on chimpanzees that were previously used for biomedical testing. Again, I, I mean, 
how many how many pieces of body armor could you get for two point six million dollars? Like I said, I, I don't know. It's uh, I, or 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 this. How about you just don't even spend that money, and you just throw it at the debt? Could you? Is I don't know. Maybe that's just Clay. Clay, calm down. You know, any any money that the government saves, they have to actually not save because they go and spend it someplace else. I, you're probably right. That wouldn't be wise to, you know, everybody complains about the national debt, but nobody ever seems to pay on the national debt. So I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. I, like I said, I'm not, I'm just a guy. I'm literally, well, I have a standing desk. So I'm standing in my office right now, kind of waving my arms around. My wife's probably like, oh, great. Clay must be doing another podcast. He's, he's getting animated again. But that, that's my thoughts. That's why the fair share thing is a total hoax. That's why I don't want to pay taxes. I want to give my money to people that are actually good with managing money. Uh, you know, again, would you give your money to a financial? <laughs> Here's, I just, let's say you want to invest. You're like, I need to find a financial advisor. And this financial advisor is like, check out these skills. And then they show you the skill. And it's got like the worst thing ever. As in, in our case, $20 trillion of debt. Of course, the financial advisor has something, but just as ugly. Are you going to be like, here you go. Take my money. You, that, that looks like a good, a good place for me to put my money. But let alone, let's say that financial advisor had the power to be like, you're giving me your money and you're going to give me that fair share of the money. And the fair share is fill in the blank. Give that to me. I'm pretty sure that financial advisor would be in jail or if they had the power. Oh, wait, they do have the power, except it's not a financial advisor. It's the U.S. government. So what a crock of garbage this is. So yeah, I don't want to pay taxes. I want to pay taxes. I want to give money to people that are actually efficient with it. And I will still gladly pay if taxes go to certain things. I like my roads. I like the military. I like, um, you know, if my house catches on fire, that'd be great if somebody could help me with that. If somebody is uh, trying to steal my wallet as I scream, hopefully police officers will eventually show up and help me. But besides that, just let me keep my money. I, I, I can manage my money. And well, but Clay, most people don't know how to manage your money. Well, you know what? Let's start indoctrinating, indoctrinating our kids then so that as the generations progress from here on out, people will actually know how to manage your money and they will be indoctrinated with, I have to save a portion of my paycheck. I have to save a portion of my paycheck. Think about that. If kids walked around chanting that, you would be like, hey, that's, I should probably be doing that too. Is that really that bad? But now we have kids walking around. You hurt my feelings. Everybody needs a participation trophy. Blah, blah, blah this. Blah, blah, blah that. You can't say that. You can't tell me to save my money. It's my money. I'll spend it however I see fit. Oh, the irony's here. Anyways, oh wow, we're almost at 40 minutes. So leave me your thoughts. Um, you know, I like to post these on Facebook and Twitter. Maybe you think I'm a nutcase. If you agree with anything, uh, let me know. Maybe I've gone off the loony bin. But uh, yeah, as far as the fair share, total smokescreen, total hoax. And they know that because they know that they're terrible at managing money. But uh, yeah, when you can have nice offices and you know all the perks that come around with uh, being a part of the government institution, yeah, why, why, why would you want people focused on the fact that the government is very inefficient. Just get people angry about all sorts of other things. So that's all I have to say. Hopefully you enjoyed. I'll see you back next week. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I wanna just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out 
in the iTunes, especially if you could leave us a rating, that goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there. And I, I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself either in debt or just feeling like your, your personal finances are kind of out of control or could be much more efficient, then I would encourage you to go to moneywithclay.com and check out the slab money method. That is the course that I put together as a former process engineer that outlined every single step, step by step by step with documentation, with forms to fill out, that'll put you on the path, the exact path I use to pay off $163,000 of debt and get myself to the point where not only am I debt free, but I am now able to build wealth and build wealth in an efficient uh, manner. So if you're curious and interested in that, again, moneywithclay.com and that is the slab money method. And no, this is not all some massive sales pitch when I say that it works, it truly does. And I back that up with more than words. My action behind those words is that course comes with a one year money back guarantee. So if you try it out and you're not making any progress, you're not seeing any progress, then I will refund you the cost of the course, which is very minimal to begin with. And then finally, make sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, just look up for Money With Clay and you will see us there. Again, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you back next episode.